Welcome to Obesity, a Disease, the official Obesity Medicine Association podcast exploring the many facets of the disease of obesity. In this series of podcasts, our experts discuss select articles from the latest version of Obesity Pillars, an open-access, online-only journal published by the OMA, committed to providing evidence-based research for healthcare clinicians in the field of obesity medicine. In this episode, OMA Chief Science Officer Dr. Harold Bays interviews Carly Burridge, PA. Ms. Burridge is Chair of the Membership Committee of the OMA, President of the PAs in Obesity Medicine, and lead author of today's article titled, Nutrition and Physical Activity, aimed at supporting providers who wish to create or improve an obesity management program. Topics include effective documentation, EMRs and energy expenditure, as well as body composition. And today, our experts discuss body composition. Obesity, a Disease podcast is brought to you by the Obesity Medicine Association, a clinical leader in obesity medicine. Welcome. My name is Dr. Harold Bays, Medical Director and President of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerosis Research Center located in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also Chief Science Officer of the Obesity Medicine Association, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of Obesity Pillars. Uh, we're fortunate uh, today to have with us um, Carly Burridge. Carly, why don't you tell the people who you are and what you do? Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Carly Burridge. I'm a PA and a fellow of the Obesity Medicine Association. And I'm the current chair of the membership committee at OMA, and I'm the president of PAs in Obesity Medicine. And I work clinically as an obesity specialist PA at Anara Health, and I own my own company called Gaining Health, which I uh, provide resources and support for providers who want to start an obesity management program, including a book I wrote on the topic of obesity program development. And Harold, I just want to start out by saying that, you know, I truly believe that we can revolutionize and transform healthcare by practicing evidence-based, compassionate obesity medicine using the pillars of obesity treatment. And so that's why I'm so excited about the Obesity Pillars Journal and the clinical practice statements, because it really allows us to give great guidance to providers so that they can effectively manage obesity and individualize care for their patients. Well, thank you, Carly. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the obesity pillars um, because that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, you were first author of the clinical practice statement uh, put out by the Obesity Medicine Association, and it covered the critically important topics of uh, taking a medical history, physical exam, what's important with regard to laboratory, and body composition, and energy expenditure. There's big differences in patients as to you know, let's just say they have the same body mass index, you know, same weight, same height, this type of thing. But there may be major differences in the patient with regard to their body composition. And and that's another thing that I think is confusing to folks. And, and what body composition, you know, what techniques are good and what are the pluses and what are the minuses and all that kind of stuff. Why don't you tell folks, uh, why did you feel it was important to talk about the advantages and de- disadvantages of assessing body composition and and what does body composition mean practically? Yeah, so body composition is really when we see somebody's BMI, when we measure their height and their weight and we measure a BMI, that just gives us a ratio of their height to their weight. That doesn't tell us anything about what that weight is composed of. 
right? So that's what body composition analysis is about, is figuring out, you know, what percentage of that body mass is, is adipose tissue? How much of it is muscle mass? How much of it is intracellular water, water and extracellular water? How much of it is bone mass? So these are the types of things that we can assess with body composition analysis. And in obesity medicine, I think it's so important that we're looking at this because, you know, we're not just looking at body weight, right? Weight, like I said, just doesn't really tell us very much. We want to understand the composition. We are studying the effects of adipose tissue and excess adiposity on somebody's health. So if we're assessing that, we need to have a way to measure that, right? And we already talked about skeletal muscle and the important role that that plays too. So if, we're, if we recognize that these things are important, we have to have a way to measure them, right? So that's where body composition analysis comes into play so that we can really figure out um, what the body composition is. And I think also importantly, not just how much adipose tissue does somebody have, but where are they storing it? Because we're finding more and more, it's not just the total amount of adipose tissue, it's where that adipose tissue is that really plays a very important role in, in cardiometabolic health. And these are the things that we need to be assessing and looking at as we're putting together a treatment plan, because uh, it also helps us determine how aggressive we may need to be with with treatment, right? And it helps us individualize care because you might have somebody who has a normal BMI, but if they have a lot of adipose tissue that they're storing in their viscera or in their organs, that's something that needs to be addressed. They're going to develop those metabolic complications that they haven't already, right, of that adiposity. And conversely, somebody may have a higher BMI or may have more adipose tissue, but if they're not storing it in these ectopic areas, like in their liver and their skeletal muscle and in and around organs or in their viscera, uh, there's probably less of a metabolic risk factor with that. Of course, there's still um, the fat mass complications that can occur with that. But so it's really important that we start to assess this. And the only way we can do that is through body composition analysis. However, there are multiple ways that we can assess body composition. And so it's important for providers to understand the different ways that this can be measured and assessed, uh, what some of the pros and cons are of these. Uh, when we're reading research articles about body composition, we need to understand what types of methods were used to measure that body composition. Um, so it's important that providers understand all of this and have a good concept of this uh, as they're treating obesity. Well, look, uh, and, and I think that's another you know, really great aspect of this of this clinical practice statement. It, it goes into it's got a table that summarizes all this, but then it, in the text, it gets quite granular, <laughs> talking about uh, exactly what these techniques are, what physics uh, principles apply to each one of them, uh, how they're conducted, what are the things to look out for, um, and. Uh, I think it's also balanced by a recognition of some of the limitations that you mentioned. For example, I believe it stated that percent body fat, which is a lot better than body mass index, uh, it, it's more of a diagnostic measure as opposed to a prognostic measure. It, it, it tells you uh, how much of the person's uh, body composition is fat and how much of it is muscle. So that's, that's more of a diagnostic thing. As far as prognostic, uh, again, above and beyond fat mass disorders and such. If you're talking about strictly cardiometabolic health, like diabetes and hypertension, dyslipidemia and cardiovascular disease, maybe even in some cases cancer and such, now you really need to focus in on the, the uh, android fat and the visceral fat. The visceral fat, 
we we typically consider the the fat that's surrounding the 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 organs, you know, the intestines and such, and the uh, the visceral organs in the abdominal cavity. And and yes, we can get some of that information from a measuring tape by measuring waist circumference. And folks, that's surprisingly good. That does really really well. Uh, but if you want to get uh, you know even more detailed assessment, you can do like I said, we do DEXA, but there's other people that do. There's some uh, other devices out there that, particularly if it's integrated with waist circumference, can do a pretty good job of, uh, uh, about assessing, again, the the, uh, the components of the uh, abdominal fat. And, and the reason that's important because it's that accumulation of the visceral adiposity or accumulation of the uh, subcutaneous uh, abdominal adiposity that cor best correlates with what I call the adiposopathy of the sick fat. It increases your risk for the diabetes, the hypertension, dyslipidemia, and um, you know, and, and cardiovascular disease. So, I think it really is important for people to to get a handle on these various different techniques about uh, body composition, what it means, how to use it, what are the pluses, what are the minuses, what are the pros, what are the cons. Uh, I think all those things are really important. I think this this article that you authored here, I think, it does a really good job about. That. Yeah, thank you. And obviously, you know, like I said before, there's a lot of people that deserve credit yourselves, definitely included Dr. Bates, um, with this clinical practice statement. And, you know, it does give a lot of information. Um, and so I just, you, providers can really take from it what they need. If they're really interested in some of the research and understanding the body composition analysis and the different methods to do that, it's all in there. Um, if they really just want to understand how to use it clinically, that information is in there too. Because if we're going to measure these things, we need to understand uh, what our targets are for our patients. I never read anywhere where, where a person said, what is the optimal amount of visceral fat? Or what is the optimal amount of Android fat? So you people would measure these things and they're like, okay, what do I do with this information? I've been at conferences where people would come up to me and they're going, okay, this body composition thing was great, but what do I do with the information? Right. What do we do? Uh, and now they can know what to do. We went ahead and, and said, look, here's what we believe today could change tomorrow. But today we believe uh, these are the reasonable cutoff points. Of what would be optimal Android fat and, and optimal visceral fat? Because one of the things I tell folks that come in for you know, body composition analysis, and again, we do preferentially we do DEXs. Um, DEXs are un forgiving. Okay. <laughs> like you said, it's one thing to say, I have a high body mass index, but I think I have a lot of muscle and that's the reason that's not accurate. You do DEXA, it's going to tell you. And it's again, unforgiving. It can be depressing, but on the other hand, it's a wealth of information that provides people, you know, the kind of, the kind of um, input that they need in order to make changes that are going to improve the health. A lot of the other cutoff points for present uh, body fat went straight from acceptable or normal to obesity. Like they didn't even have an overweight category. They just leaped from acceptable or normal to obesity. I always found that to be, frankly, a little mean. I mean, I, I, I don't think that that is, is clinically appropriate. And, um, and again, it's, it, it's, discouraging okay it's discouraging what is it that you did or what is it that the group did to to address this this idea that uh, these certain cutoff points 
four percent body fat that you just went straight straight from normal to obesity just like within you know one point i mean how did you address that what was the thinking behind it yeah, so we included another category in there for pre-obesity, right? We know that everything's kind of a continuum, right? It's not like you reach this percentage and that's normal. And once you cross that, now you have obesity. So so we included also a pre-obesity category in there. Um, and, and of course, so these are these are all ranges, of course. And I think it is so important. So when we do this body composition analysis with patients, like you said, sometimes it can be kind of a shocker to patients to get some of this information for them to recognize that perhaps sometimes 50% of their body composition is adipose tissue, is fat. And so what I always tell patients is, you know, it's okay. This is our starting point, right? This is where we are now. This gives us some good information. And now we're going to follow this over time, right? And this is where we're starting out. And then when they start to see their progress and they see the actual differences in the numbers because oftentimes it's hard for patients to see it in the mirror because these changes are occurring gradually day to day. And I've also found that a lot of times patients, they have an image of themselves in their head of, of what they look like. And sometimes it doesn't always, it takes longer for their mind to catch up with what's going on in their body. And so for them to be able to see the numbers change from month to month or however often you're, you're checking their body composition analysis, it's really motivating for patients. So, and sometimes also if they're getting to the point where they are doing more resistance training or they're in their maintenance phase and they can actually see, oh, maybe their weight went up a little bit, but they've actually gained some muscle mass and that's why it's going up or their water weight has changed, you know, from one appointment to the next. So I think patients really like seeing those outcomes. And I always just remind them that this is where we're starting out and, and then they can see their progress over time, which I think is very, very motivating for patients. So I also just want to put that out there that we can really use this as a motivating factor for patients. And in my experience, patients love seeing those changes in their body composition. Yeah. What, what, what they don't love they don't is love. put in a ton of effort, engage in resistance training, um, adhere uh -huh. to uh, appropriate nutrition, and then find that their weight has not changed, right? Their weight has not changed. And now they go to the clinician and go, well, then you need to diet and exercise more. And they're like, but my, but my clothes fit better. Um, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And now you're telling me I've done nothing. That is a horrible thing to tell somebody, right? But if you're doing body composition, all right? Now you've got accurate information. And as you said, as you, if you can point out, look, forget about the weight. It's not about the weight anymore. Like I said, that was our starting point, not our point now. And now what we're looking for is increasing that lean uh, body weight, reduce uh, the amount of fat, percent body fat, reduce that, that android and visceral fat, because that's what's going to really matter for cardiometabolic health and such. That's where we need to focus on it. And for people that are getting uh, body composition analyses, not not sure weight is what they should be focused upon. I mean, what, what's your sense about that? Yeah, and I really like it from that standpoint. It takes the focus away from weight and really brings it into focus of what we're really concerned about, which is um, adipose tissue, and specifically that that visceral adipose tissue that's you know much more. Uh, much higher risk for cardiometabolic health and things like that. And so when patients see that that's improving, 
Um, it becomes much more about that, not just weight, not just a number on the scale, right? And so I always tell people that we're not too concerned about that number on the scale. We're really more concerned about your overall health, how you're feeling, your metabolic health. And as we can, we track so many different things, um, also their labs and other things like that, they start to see improvements there, right? So it's really exciting when you're looking at not just the number on the scale, but so many other factors and so many non-scale victories that we call them, you know, patients feeling better, having more energy, labs improving, clothes fitting better. Again, this change of their body composition, reductions in that, that visceral fat and that android fat, which we know is going to really affect their risk for um, other health conditions. So, you know, we focus on all of those things. And, and it's really exciting when you see a patient. That's why I love obesity medicine so much, because you can really see significant changes in all these different aspects of a patient's health and their life and their quality of life. And that's what's really exciting. That's what it's just so fun to celebrate all of that with our patients as they're making improvements. And 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 for clarity, look, obviously weight's going to be important, and we all get that. We're not being dismissive of that. But I think you would agree that an objective for for those of us in obesity medicine is, you know, it's not about the weight of the patient. You know, once you get that initial weight, it's about the health of the patient. And 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 that's so it's a it's a starting point. It's a place to begin, uh, but um, you know through the guidance of uh, of articles such as the uh, such as this clinical practice statement on uh, body composition, energy expenditure, uh, history, fiscal, that sort of thing. I think this is a a good way uh, for clinicians to get up to speed on not only the concepts of what we've been talking about, but also how to implement those uh, uh, concepts. So. First off, you know, congratulations and such um, uh, for being the lead author on this. And do you have any final words of wisdom to the folks out there? You know, I just really, I'm so excited that this is out there. That's a free resource because I just, like I said at the beginning, I really feel like we can transform and revolutionize the way we practice medicine. If we focus on things like treating obesity first, treating it comprehensively, with compassion, with empathy, and with evidence-based medicine. And this clinical practice statement is just another tool in the toolbox that providers can use to do that, to really help their patients and to get to the root cause of what causes over 236 other medical conditions that most providers are spending the vast majority of their time treating. So when we, when we get to the root cause, when we treat the obesity, everything else gets better. And we can stop putting Band-Aids on all these complications of obesity of obesity and really get to the root cause. So I think that's so exciting. I hope a lot of providers embrace this and embrace obesity medicine and start really using it in their clinical practice. And um, yeah, so that's what I'd really like to finish with. And if anybody wants to reach out to me or has further questions, you know, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook at My Gaining Health. You can check out my website, gaininghealth.com. Or you can always email me at carly at gaininghealth.com. Okay. Well, Carly, thank you so much. Hope, so much. Uh, hopefully people will take uh, advantage of the uh, opportunities and resources that we've talked about here. And uh, I guess I'll conclude by saying my name is uh, Dr. Harold Bays, again, uh, Medical Director of the Elmark Research Center located here in Louisville, Kentucky. And you've been listening to Obesity, a Disease. Thanks so much for having me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Obesity, a Disease. For more information about obesity medicine podcasts and other valuable resources from the clinical leaders in obesity medicine, please visit www.obesitymedicine.org backslash podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to listen regularly, head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, rate, and leave us a much appreciated review. The views expressed in this episode are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily represent the opinions, beliefs, or policies of the Obesity Medicine Association or its members. Please join us again for our next episode of Obesity, a Disease.